football season is just around the corner, and MyBookie is the best place to bet football this season. They have easier deposits, faster payouts, and the best customer service. MyBookie is simply the most accurate and trusted source for odds information, analysis, and wagering opportunities on the internet. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to MyBookie.ag to open and fund your MyBookie account today and start winning with the best. Now on to the show. Infirmary Media. People engage to stop the jewel in decades. The Matrix and Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Strap on that cap, bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Jewel in decades. Poop culture, popping pins, dropping hand grenades. Van Halen locked in Mortal Combat with David Gray. Found out ballet and sick. I am made of GNR. Come fight for what you love. Jewel in decades. Broadcasting from the new Infirmary Media Studios. It's the adult-only retro game show where the 80s and 90s do battle because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. Let's take a look at this week's duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off, Dueling with Music of 1980. Back once again, it's Brent Hand from the Hysteria 51 podcast. Oh, I am so happy to be uh, right in my wheelhouse of 1980. I was a... a spring chicken of one year old, so I'm ready. I, it was it was fresh in my brain, <laughs> ready to go. And dueling tonight with music of 1996 is a man who always smells like Teen Spirit. It's Bo Beecraft. That's right. Sorry, I'm late. I was reenacting the Lincoln Douglas debates in the downtown Quincy Square, as always, because uh, that's a thing that they still cling to here. <laughs> and as always, we need someone to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So for this duel, I, Mark James, will pull double duties and be your maestro and magistrate. But don't worry, alongside me here on commentary is the Dueling Decades champion, Man Crush. I'm just going to be a fly on the wall with this one. (laughs) Let's go. Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judges coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. And for this duel, all the picks will be music-themed. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, and rounds four and five are worth two points apiece. And the winning decade shall be decided by the highest overall score after all five rounds. Duelers, you wanted the best, you got the best. But first, let's play Dueling Decades. All right, guys. So for the official toss-off tonight, I have a bootleg audio cassette. Just like last time. This time, it happens to be two different shows. One in the 80s, one in the 90s. First one is a Rusted Root show from 96, and the other one is a Fish show from 89. So you get to choose side A or side G. <laughs> Throw that thing away. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, these are two great shows. Yeah, you send it on its way. Brent Hand. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, uh-oh. You call in the air. Do you want side A or side B? I'm going B for Brent. Let's do it. It is side A. Bo Beecraft, <laughs> you have control of the board. Ooh. Where would you like to start? 
have mercy. Let's see. What is my uh, weakest category here besides all of them? Uh, Maybe shoot for something summertime, something warm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, think, I'm thinking that. Yeah. Since all of my picks are, I, I decided to handicap myself this time. I went very specific. I went August 96 for all these. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to go with, uh, damn, these are all terrible. I'm going to go with hot <laughs> products because it's always my least favorite and always the uh, seems to warrant the or uh, turn up the the least amount of results that are even remotely interesting. So I'm going to go from the Quad City Times, August 11th, 1996, a K's merchandise ad promoting a Magnavox portable CD player with car kit. Uh, this mechanism also features anti-skip technology and dynamic bass boost to really get the most out of your portable fish as well. Stereo headphones, <laughs> shuffle play, and the uh, car accessory kit as well. Now, here's the kicker. $119.97 regular price on sale for $99.97. The Magnavox portable compact disc player with bass boost. Wow. Great for fishing. Great now, for fishing. How many batteries does that bastard need? I'm going to guess two to four. It looks like it's yep. pretty hefty. You said it's the car kit, so does it come with the full cigarette lighter plug-in adapter? Oh, buddy, we've got the whole cigarette plug-in, uh, cigarette plug-in adapter. We've got the cassette tape that plugs into your jack. We've got oh. the shitty-looking headphones that, after a year, get crusty and start flaking off in your <laughs> ear canal when you wear them. <laughs> We're talking the whole kit and caboodle here. Wow. That's pretty freaking sweet. You know what's amazing about that anti-skip technology? It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, in 1996, it did not work. <laughs> well, it did It did a really good job of eating your battery three times as fast, though. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. it totally did. Because it was supposed to buffer like a second or something like that. And it, like, there was better, you know, as the late 90s went on, it got a little bit better. But I think in 96 was like the very beginning of that. So my parents I'm had to sure put the house was... up as collateral to keep Duracell in business during right. that time frame. Oh, yeah, a lot, of, lot of bus trips for football. We were eating batteries like they were going out of style. Bo demands Ace of Base in his ears at all times. That's well, with the, the dynamic base boost technology, of course, <laughs> that's double the Ace of Base. All that she wants. All right, Bo, what do you got for your other selection? So the other one comes from the Baltimore Sun, a Circuit City advertisement from August 9th, 1996. Uh, it says, now appearing at our Golden Ring store, enter to win the Kenwood Speed of Sound Ford Thunderbird. Ready to rock with an awesome Kenwood car stereo system. You can enter to win this thing at uh, any participating Circuit Cities. One 1996 Ford Thunderbird valued at $26,500. Who the hell was paying that amount of money for the less than uh, appealing looking Ford Thunderbird in 96. That's what ridiculous. What was the 96 Thunderbird? I can picture like the late 80s one with that long front and short similar, back. Similar. Similar. Uh, in, in a style. little more so, aerodynamic style. They, 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 but yeah, similar. Right. What was special about the Kenwood edition? Uh, evident, well, so it's got some, uh, it's got some graphics on the side. So it was like, before rapping got really, you know, like good and popular, it looks like they just threw on some some decals. Uh, so it says Kenwood on the driver's door. There's like a, a Fender Strat looking guitar, but it's got like wheels and tires on it. Ultimately oh, badass. Lord, and then the Circuit City logo on the back Fender. So <laughs> it looks like, you know, your drunk uncle's attempt at a, at a stock car at the local yes, racetrack. Yeah. Like, you know, he doesn't have enough sponsorship money to really get a good uh, decal job on there. And that's just what he ended up with. He had like a Kenwood I, I sticker laying around. What happened to these giveaway cars? 
Like you never see like, oh my god, there's that car running around or whatever. That's with all a the good question. And shit. Like they should have a TV show where they track down these old cars. So, like that sounds like something you'd see on Viceland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like the Lotto documentary about people that win it. Like what happens to them afterwards? Yeah. Like what happens to the giveaway? This car? week we're tracking down the 1996 Kenwood Speed of Sound Ford Thunderbird. <laughs> it's like the Speed Channel's version of Where Are They Now? <laughs> <laughs> if you look at this Thunderbird, it actually looks like a Ford Tempo that they just grabbed on both ends and stretched about <laughs> two feet. It's it's ugly. It is bad. Wow. No wonder nobody remembers that. <laughs> All right, Brent, what do you got for hot products in 1980? So in June of 1980, the TPS-L2 was introduced in the U.S. Now, what is that, you ask? That's the Walkman, the first time available in the U.S., the first real portable music player device in the U.S. The Walkman had a huge uh, influence on society. By 1986, the word Walkman had already been entered into the Oxford Dictionary, and the number of people who said that they walked or exercised increased by 30%, and in just three years from 1980 in its uh, introduction, uh, cassettes started outselling vinyl for the first time ever, and that was the turning point, so we would never have had that car kit disc man if it wasn't for the Walkman in 1980, or the TPS-L2, as it's so commonly known. She really what company put that out that was sony, sony. yep yeah yep. so okay that's like the their technical name was the uh the TV yeah app. that's what they and if you look up like the ads for it that's what they called it but then it, it had walkman on it but everything referred to it as is that. is that the blue one with the orange button on the top that's exactly yep. it with like silver writing it said like okay. walkman and like almost bubble but not exactly bubble letters yeah yep that's it and it was uber expensive Still is, you know, yeah, <laughs> right, and twice as worthless. <laughs> Man, I don't know. People are people are. They started that whole vinyl trend. Now, bands are trading tapes again. Like, why did that become a thing? I don't. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't. I have no. There's idea. a like Tapehead City. We talked to them before, yeah. and uh, they reissue tapes of new music. Yeah, yeah. it's you know, it's pretty good. Hey, that's something we've talked about on this show, and people have brought it up to us before. Why don't you put Dueling Decades on an audio cassette and we can trade it around? So, hey, if that's something you guys are interested in, hit us up on our Facebook page. Maybe that's something we'll look into. Send us snail mail because you want an audio cassette. Hell yeah. That's right. Send it to our P.O. box. (laughs) In Walla Walla, Washington. (laughs) So what do you got for your other pick, Brent? All right. So my number two, they introduced the Roland tr 808 now if you don't know what that is that is the 808 drum like every hip-hop album or britney spears talks about it actually failed at first until people realize its huge potential and it is a drum machine that has been used on more hit records than any other drum machine or pretty much any other single piece of music ever uh and it actually launched they say electronic music completely and it's still used today by top artists all the time it was different because people could program the the rhythms instead of like just hitting preset buttons this is the first one where you can make your own and it was way less expensive so at the time it was like twelve hundred dollars and the only other competitor which was not as good as it was eight thousand dollars and yeah it used um uh, analog synthesis r- for making the sounds rather than just playing samples that were pre-recorded so it made its own sound 
I actually found a quote on it. The 808 was eventually used on more hit records than the other drum machine. Its popularity with hip-hop in particular has made it one of the most influential inventions in popular music comparable to the Fender Stratocaster's influence on rock. Its sounds are included yeah. with music software and on modern drum machines and has inspired numerous clones. And, uh, yeah, we get to hear Kesha say, like an 808 drum, and stuff like that because of it. So you're welcome. <laughs> made, made you're a welcome, career society. Off. Wow. Yep. You might just yep. lose this round because you brought up Kesha. <laughs> <laughs> did did right. I pronounce that right? I never had to pronounce, know how to pronounce the dollar sign. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've never said it out loud. Before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's take a look at these rounds. Uh, Bo, yeah, you had the car kit CD player by Magnavox. Was mm -hmm. that the first one ever available? I'm going to guess absolutely not. That just happened to be on sale at the time. Uh, so I went with it. All right. After school yeah. special. <laughs> it's the first one ever. We'll go with that. First one in August. Yeah, it was the first one in August of 96 to land in the uh, the Gazette for the K's merchandise ad. So, yeah. For clear. You had the Kenwood version of the Ford Thunderbird. Uh, I'm sure From that's Circuit a, City. Yeah. The Circuit City special car. Which That's I believe right. is in the Smithsonian now. Uh, just a real quick Google. <laughs> That's where my Bing search landed me, so I think so. <laughs> That's in a junk. I was looking at Ask Jeeves. <laughs> All right, Brent. And so 1980, you had the Walkman, the very first one, and the Roland 808 drum machine. This is tough. That is a tough one. Jeez, <laughs> I don't know if that's as good as the Ford Thunderbird. Or the random Magnavox CD player? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This is a complete no contest. Let's be honest. But you know what? I, I'm going to have to go against my better judgment and give this one to Brent, I guess. You know? I, I just, didn't see that just, coming. Just sneaks this one out. Son of a bitch. Up to a couple years ago, people were still saying, I listened on my Walkman or something when they're carrying music. Yeah. Now, not so much since telephones took over. Well, I think even the CD player, the Sony CD players were still called Walkmans and, you know, everything yeah. that they made, that was just their brand name. And it almost, I, if I remember right, it was just like Q-tips or Kleenex. They were just right. The, Everybody everyone called it a exactly. Walkman. Right, right, Walkman, right. Walkman. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Um, I think TV for me isn't very good. So let's go TV. January 25th, 1980. Dateline. Black Entertainment Television launches the United States as a block of time programming on the USA Network. It actually wouldn't be until 83 that BET becomes a full-fledged channel, but it launched in January of 1980, and the original lineup was music videos and reruns of popular black sitcoms. But uh, mainly, uh, just like it was forever until now, I'm sure it's changed. But uh, it was like a precursor to MTV, but for hip hop. Yeah, I remember. So, yeah. I d I when, when you were two? <laughs> no, hang on. I distinctly remember <laughs> being in high school watching BET. Of course, I wasn't around in the, in, you know, watching in 80 when it launched. But I was wondering where you're going. No, with it that. was in the he, 90s. He, I was he'd beg his mom to give him a bottle and put him in front of USA Network. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost eight o'clock. The kid loves heavy D. Yeah, it was up all night. <laughs> wow. All right. So the initial launch of BET. Yeah. yeah. They they called it Black Entertainment Television, BET at the time. Uh, I don't think they'd shortened it yet. But yeah, it wasn't until 83 it became its own channel. But yep, that's when it launched. They were, just, they were time splitting, just like uh, Nick at Night. Yep. Yep. 
Then uh, for number two, we have the, I'm sure this is on everyone's DVD shelf. I'm sure most of you probably have tattoos. Solid Gold debuts in 1980. Uh, They played pop music, had live performances by performers. Now live is a questionable thing there. And it stood out because the difference between it and, let's say, like American Bandstand or one of the uh, Soul Train is it had professional dancers that danced to each of the the performances that they had every week. But yep, and it was on for, I don't know, a number of years, then they canceled it, then it came back. And it was actually on for quite a long time. Solid Gold and the Solid Gold Dances. It never was a, a huge Solid Gold fan. Uh, I was more of an American Bandstand type of guy. I don't know. Yep. Same here. I guess you just come to a point in your life where you just have to make that hard decision. You know, I've seen a lot of fights over it. I've seen families split, but I, you know what? I was an American bandstand guy myself. It's just the way it rolls. I was more of a grind guy with Eric Knees. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me at all, man crush? <laughs> all right, Bo Beecraft, what do you have for the TV round? Well, here's a couple of garbage picks for you, gentlemen. August 31st, 1996, comedians Jeff Foxworthy and Bill Ingvall are set to host the CMT Labor Day Top 100 Weekend Special, which is set to air Saturday, August 31st and Monday, September 2nd on Country Music Television. This is actually something I did find kind of interesting. This kind of shows you what the times were like then. CMT viewers cast their votes 200,000 excuse me, 205,578 votes in total uh, for their favorite country music videos, which will be presented throughout the weekend. The vice president and general manager of CMT said of the programming block and viewer participation, this illustrates the enormous value music fans place on video. There's obviously been a large shift in that in present day. I Do people still make music videos? Well, on YouTube. Yeah, I That's guess. That's true. But do, do yeah. people watch them as much or put as much, you know, like stock in them? Your problem is we're too old. to. Re- That's what kids go to watch them now. That's all they know. That's true. We had something else. I just I think, listen. I think they do, right. though. Because if you think about like some of the big videos, I think when they put production value into a video, that's when they go apeshit. Like, uh, what was that Asian oh, dude? Gangnam style? Like oh, yeah. about five, six years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sigh. Like they put out this, uh, like, and that was the type of video that we remembered growing up. It was theatrical and all this crazy shit going on. And people, like, even though that song's annoying as hell, that had over a yeah. billion plays. So, yeah, people are still watching them, just not on MTV. I, MTV hasn't played music in shit 20 years. I think people listen to them now to get the link to download the song illegally from another site. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of those clips, uh, if I had to venture a guess. But, yeah. Does CMT even play music videos anymore? I don't think so. It's largely just uh, redneck reality. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, it's like living with uh. chickens and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bo. So you have the CMT Top 100 Countdown hosted by Jeff Foxworthy, Bill Engvall. I, I got to mm-hmm. tell you, that was a beautiful pick. Because just it, it encapsulated that time with that Did country music ever. perfectly. Yeah. Do you have what the top few songs were out of the top 100? I don't. I sure don't. Oh, Not that it matters man. anyway. I'm sure it was like the Dixie Chicks and Alan Jackson. and You tease me. Why did they have a top 100 in August? That was Memorial Day, so they probably played a bunch of sad uh, Travis Tritt videos, if I had my, my guess. <laughs> Memorial Day? You have August. Labor Memorial Day, Day's whatever. <laughs> Labor- oh, Day, come Labor on, Day. man. 
I was at a state fair years ago with a buddy of mine, and there's a guy walking by, and he has this long pin straight mullet in a sleeveless jacket and he had a guitar slapped uh, across his back and my buddy goes well that's a fucking travis tritt starter starter kit if i've ever seen one (laughs) and i think of that all the time travis tritt starter kit i'm like that is just beautiful and then travis (laughs) tritt turned around and punched your buddy (laughs) (laughs) all right so what do you have for your second selection bo well, it's another uh, music television thing. August 1st, 1996, the launch of MTV2. Just when they fucked up the first, the sequel came along to try to save the day. Uh, after MTV initially moved to more reality-based programming, the MTV2 network, or as it was simply known in its infancy, M2, uh, was created as a 24-hour commercial-free alternative focusing solely on music and music videos. Uh, the first video they ever played was Where It's At by Beck on MTV2. Um, however, as MTV does, MTV2 began to phase out the wall-to-wall music video format in late 2002 and early 2003 in favor of, yes, you guessed it, more reality-based and docuseries bullshit, uh, which is how we know it today. So there's just no staying power, evidently, in putting music videos on television. Man, that is crazy. It only lasted that many years because when did videos start taking off, really? Like, YouTube wasn't for another couple of years. Oh four, like, I think. Yeah, five maybe. Oh, yeah, oh four, oh five, and it wasn't even like gangbusters then. It wasn't all like music videos like it is now. You know, it was like stupid shit, like fucking chocolate rain. <laughs> Are you saying chocolate rain isn't a music video? Because I will fight you. I will fight you. <laughs> That's a. It's an amazing music chocolate video. Chocolate rain. Time. Don't speak ill of Tay Zonde. I especially like the uh, the uh, little. Uh, Quibsy when I move there, away like... from the microphone, it's because I'm breathing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like people needed to know that shit. That's part of the whole song, man. It's for all the amateurs out there looking to take a page out of his book. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So before we go to the ruling on this one, Man Crush, you want to chime in on this round? Uh, the only thing I'm going to say about this round is like. You have to go with 80 because, like, Brent already put you in a predicament where he said he had nothing but bad picks and starts out with BET. <laughs> like, come on, man. You can't be shitting yeah, on BET. Like, the way I look at it is, uh, you know, you got the launch of BET, but Bo also has the launch of MTV2. MTV2, eh, I'm not going to say that's bigger than BET, but it was still. It, yeah, it, I think BET is yeah, a big deal. It was still a pretty big deal. But uh, the launch of Solid Gold up against a random top 100 from Jeff Foxworthy is not random. It is the <laughs> yeah. Labor Day 96 <laughs> top countdown. Or Memorial Day. If, uh, yeah, Labor if Day, Quincy. Memorial Day. Do you remember what month that debuted in? Uh, what, what month was that on? Was it August by any chance? August. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> August 96. August. Uh, August. Was it? Oh, no, just one check. Just checking. August 31st, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Man Crush on this one. Brent Hand, you get this round as well. That's two uh, to nothing, and you retain control of the board. What category would you like next? Um, Let's go news. I think news. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh 1980. This All be- right. Number one. Huge, huge. Led Zeppelin breaks up after John Bonham's unexpected death, 925-1980. The band that defined the excesses of rock music, they quit when uh, their drummer died. Uh, He consumed 40 shots of vodka 
in a day and died of alcohol poisoning uh, straight away, as one is to do when you do something like that. And Robert Plant, he actually said in People Magazine, I had a great, warm, big-hearted friend I haven't got anymore. It was so final, I never even thought about the future of the band or music. And Zeppelin were the most successful, innovative, and influential rock bands in the history of music. And they actually ushered in the whole idea of big stadium rock concerts. They started that, which is now kind of the go-to people. That's what they strive for. But uh, that was their baby. They created that. I'm glad you went with them breaking up because I actually had John Bonham dying as a pick. This is months and months and months ago, probably last year even. But I think, and I went for that same angle that that, you know, ultimately ended like probably arguably one of the best bands ever. And I think we lost that round. Wow. Really? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. That's a- Thanks, John Cross. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a big that's a big blow, man. Led Zeppelin is a pioneer of rock of everything. So yeah, yeah, yeah they're still oh, for they're sure. still legends. They were yeah. like the menudo of their time. Oh <laughs> wow, no. <laughs> and honestly, like you know, they didn't get back together until that Live Aid when they played with Phil Collins, and they were terrible then. And that was really it. They just kind of yeah. Well, they. Went their own ways. Yeah, well, they got together in more recent years with uh, with yeah. Jason Bonham, but for the, for a long time, it was if you were a Zeppelin fan, man, it was a fucking desert because there <laughs> was did nothing that, out there. There was they no did live that tribute to him or anything. They did that tribute to him recently, and Hart did. I, I can't even remember the time ahead. Battle oh, of Evermore destroyed it. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah it was on the single soundtrack. It. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. So awesome. And then he turned to gold. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brent, what's your second pick, man? So my second thing, it debuted, it emerged. The birth of rap. The breaks by Curtis Blow. These all the breaks. The first certified gold rap record ever in 1980. Blow was the first rap artist to sign with a major label ever. He did that in 79. And the single, The Breaks, sold more than half a million copies. And literally, it, it uh, here's a quote. This blew the doors open to the to the rap that we have today. It it started that whole genre of we can actually make it and being taken seriously. Curtis Blow. So Brent comes with Curtis Blow and the first gold rap record in Led Zeppelin breaking up. All right, I got to hear what Bo Beecraft has for this round. Well, Brandy and Monica, you better bring it. Let me blow you away with this pick here, fellas. August 10 and 11, 1996, Oasis plays the largest freestanding gigs in British history at Nebworth House in Stevenage, or whatever, wherever that is. Hey, they were bigger than the Beatles. They said so themselves. That's true. That's true. But they weren't bigger than God. (laughs) This is kind of kind of impressive though 2.7 million people applied for tickets and a sold out crowd of 350,000 attended the concerts, uh, breaking down to 175,000 people each night. Of these wow. shows, two nights. Why? <laughs> they love those Gallagher brothers. They wanted to see a bomb explode. Evidently, did they? Did they have to go? Like, was this- <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. It was mandatory for all citizens no, okay. of the United Kingdom. That explains it, then, man. But uh, two point seven million people applying for tickets. I don't know if there's any artist that would that would cause that kind of. A- you don't want to skip a, a, a concert like that and then look back in anger the rest of your life. You know what mm. I mean? Dug deep for that one. <laughs> well, somebody asked me if I was going to go to it, and I just said maybe. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right, Bo, what's your second pick, man? This one's actually a little bit better. August 6, 1996, the iconic punk band The Ramones play their final show at the Palace in Hollywood, uh, featuring several notable musicians, including Eddie Vedder, Lemmy Kilmeister, Chris Cornell, and uh, a lot of others. Concert was recorded and subsequently released on video and CD. Uh, not not sure if it was an enhanced CD or not, uh, but the title of it was called We're Out of Here. Uh, since then, the band has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and has left a lasting legacy as pillars of the punk and rock and roll genre. So August 6, 1996, Ramon's final show in Hollywood. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah, I know. Mancrush, you can speak on uh, that a hell of a lot more than I can. Me, not a huge Ramones fan, so that is huge, though. That's the, their final show. Before they all started dying. How many original band members were left at that point, though? All four were, I think. All four? I think. Don't quote me on that, though. Yeah, I think they all started dying in the early 2000s. Okay. It's like one of those things, man. Like, people stop working. And they just die. It, you know, it's, it's sad with that band, how they all just one at a time. It's nuts. I think, is Didi the only one that's left? No clue. No, my bad. Didi might have been the first one that died. <laughs> are, are any of I don't think any of them are left, are they? <laughs> one, yeah, one is left. I can't remember who it is. Anyhow, go ahead. Uh, get Mark. I'm going to look all that right. up. All right. So to recap, uh, Brent had Led Zeppelin breaking up and Curtis Blow. And we're going to put that up against Oasis playing uh, in front of uh, 175,000 people a night for two consecutive nights and getting ticket inquiries from 2.7 million people. And the final Ramon show. Final Ramon show, though, I think that is huge. But, uh, man, I'm going to have to give this one to Brent again. I'm sorry, Bo. Dude, it's Led Zeppelin and the birth of rap. Chapping my ass. It's the end of one style of music and the beginning of the other. These are the breaks, bro, Bo. These mm. are the breaks. <laughs> when your woman steps out with another man, that's the breaks. <laughs> and it's Marky. Marky is the one that's still alive. Oh, Marky is. Okay. Marky Mark? Well, he's still alive as well. Is it Marky or CJ? Oh, I think these are like the late fill-ins, like later on. The fill-ins started dying after, too. (laughs) Well, their careers. I think the (laughs) fill-ins is a fine punk band. (laughs) Now, Marky joined in the late 70s, though. But the other guys, I think uh, CJ... Yeah, he didn't even join until 89, CJ. Season count. When did Larry King join? Right after Marky Post. Larry Ramon. (laughs) (laughs) Marky (laughs) Post. All right, so Brent Hand jumps out to an early 3-0 lead in this one and has control of the board heading into the two-point rounds. All right, let's, let's just do movies real quick. Let's get those done. Hey, let me just throw this out real quick. Uh, the last two times, three O is like a kiss of death. We had it twice last two months, and we lost I both. I was just thinking that to myself. I'm like, wow, we've Ugh. had three O's a lot recently. Oh, and then I remembered how those ended up. So, <laughs> Well, Brent, you'd better Oof. enjoy the upper hand while you go. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Zing. All right, so my first movie, number one, 1980, The Blues Brothers, directed by Jonathan Landis. Uh, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd as Joliet, Jake, and Elwood Blues. Uh, they were characters, everyone, you know, the Blues Brothers recurring musical sketch on Saturday Night Live. 
Uh, if you're not familiar with it, I apologize, but it is but it is a <laughs> wonderful movie. Orange Whip, Orange Whip, three orange whips. Uh, Jake and Elwood set out on a mission from God to save the Catholic orphanage in which they were raised from foreclosure. To do so, they must reunite their R&B band and organize a performance to earn $5,000 that's needed to pay the orphanage's property tax bill. Along the way, they are targeted by a homicidal mystery woman, that's Princess Leia, neo-Nazis, and a country and Western band, all while being relentlessly pursued by the police. And it has an awesome car chase destroying uh, downtown Chicago, and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. The sequels, not so much, but the first one, uh, yeah, it was really good. And who doesn't hate Illinois Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say that a lot of people will argue that Carrie Fisher looks best as Princess Leia, but I think she was the hottest in the Blues Brothers. She was super yeah. hot here. Uh, I, smoking I, hot. I would totally agree with that. And she had like a rocket launcher and, and a machine yes. gun and stuff. So yes. yeah, yeah, just a little bit of attitude to her. Mm-hmm. She, was, she was the bad girl in Blues Brothers. Kind of dug <laughs> that. All right. So what's your second movie entry? All right. My second one. Fame. I'm going to live forever. Fame. Directed by Alan Parker. If you guys remember this, it was set in New York City. It chronicles the lives and hardships of students attending the high school uh, of performing arts from their audition to their freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior years. And it has had multiple spinoffs. Fame, the TV show in the 80s. Fame, the musical. Fame LA, which is a TV show that started in 87. Then in 2002, there was a TV direct sequel to Fame. 2003, a Fame reality TV show. 2009, they they had a remake film, and they're producing a new series right now about it. Fame. So yeah, staying power on that one. Well, they, they told you from the beginning it was going to live forever. And they were going to learn how to fly. Hi! Still waiting for that part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Bo B. Craft. What do you have for music of 1996? Well, gentlemen, don't get too up in arms about this, but there's a couple of bangers for picks. August 9th, 1996, Star by Canadian rock legend Brian Adams is included as the theme song to the 1996 motion picture Jack, starring Robin Williams as the <laughs> titular character Jack Powell, a boy who ages at four times the rate of a normal person due to a disorder known as Werner Syndrome. Uh, in keeping with the musical theme here, the film also stars Jennifer Lopez. Uh, the song from Brian Adams included on his seventh studio album, 18 Till I Die. Uh, and that's about it. That's actually the prequel to Benjamin Button. That's right. That's right. A lot of people don't know that. Jack is actually Benjamin's father, somehow, some way. <laughs> it's in the same universe. <laughs> I thought you were serious for for a second there, and I'm trying to figure out the logistics of that. <laughs> uh, it involves Doctor Strange and some time travel. It's, uh, I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> that would have been a better movie. It probably would have. <laughs> All right, so what do you got for your second movie entry? Uh, August 6th, 1996, Songs and Music from the Motion Picture, She's the One, which is the shittiest album title, uh, but also the ninth studio record from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, it's it's exactly what it sounds like, Petty and uh, the guy's musical contributions for the soundtrack of the film, She's the One. I, I just, I don't understand the correlation here, like who thought this was a good idea or who, well, let's get Tom Petty to do this rom-com soundtrack, but. That is awful. Um, That's the worst pick ever. Yeah. Uh, so you got Jennifer Aniston and Cameron Diaz starring in a romantic comedy and they're like, hey, let's, let's bring in goddamn Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers to do the soundtrack for this box office flop. <laughs> oh yeah. Because 13 year old girls like nothing more than Tom Petty in 1996. 
that hot Tom Petty action. Yeah, boy, I hope <laughs> refugees on this one. Gosh. Uh, well, I think the only thing that saved the actual record itself was was the name associated with with who put it out, and that's Tom Petty, because the album has been certified gold. Uh, actually, extensive runs in the Billboard charts upon its release. Uh, it reached number 15 on the Billboard 200. Uh, the singles Walls and Climb That Hill actually reached number six on the mainstream rock charts. So despite, um, you know, being a uh, an anchor of a rom-com, you know, potentially sinking this ship, uh, it actually fared fairly well. Wow. That movie was actually rated R. Was it really? Really? Yeah. It was the scissor scene they had. No, do. that's why I, I specifically looked up the parents guide to see if there was like new Jennifer Aston that I didn't know about. And there is not. It's just they got a rated R for sexual related dialogue and language. Wow. That's weak. Wow. That is that must have been a lot the of times of change. Oh, we're totally scissoring behind this door. <laughs> that kind of sexual talk. You can't for real. see, but we're definitely doing it. <laughs> they, uh, what is this, spice? With our clothes on. I repeat, no Jennifer Aston nudity, and she's the one. No reason to watch it. <laughs> All right, so let's take a look at this round. We got Fame and the Blues Brothers versus uh, Star from Brian Adams from the movie Jack. And she's the one with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on the soundtrack. Man Crush, what are you thinking on this round? The only thing I'm thinking is this. With Fame, when I was in sixth grade chorus, you had to join, by the way. I didn't do this because I wanted to. Even though you, you heard the pipes before, I can, I can sing when I have a voice and I've been drinking tea and shit. But we did the Fame song, and the reason I remember it is, like, you know the part, there's, like, a pause. It's like, eh, and then everyone goes, fame, like, at the same yeah. time. This girl in my grade jumped the gun and said fame before everybody else. Oh, no. And was, like, <laughs> in front of, and this was, like, the night, not just in front of the school, but, like, when parents come and everything. So there's a full <laughs> fucking gymnasium, and she's, like, fame. <laughs> and it was, everyone just started laughing, and I still remember it, and I'm 41. It's oh, fucking great. That's one of those things where she goes, oh, thank God no one remembers that. <laughs> it's going to live forever. It's gonna... <laughs> yeah. Still remember her name, too. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> wow. So, Bo, we'll take a look at your picks. Uh, she's the one, not the greatest rom-com film, uh, but big fan of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. It was one of the bright sides to that movie was the soundtrack. Um, Brian Adams. Uh, you know, you can't go wrong with some nice Canadian music from Brian Adams and the movie Jack. Okay, well, it, it is what it is, you know. I, I don't know. It, it's not Brian Adams' best work, and well, Jack wasn't Robin Williams' best work. You know what's shocking about that? The uh, the she's the one thing that that movie only had a three and a half million dollar budget. How much did they have to pay Tom Petty for his tracks for that? Three fourths of that. <laughs> yeah, that's that was him probably you know owing a favor to the record company, and they're like, you know what, we're gonna make you do this, Tom. If I'm oh. not mistaken, there's also another song on the Brian Adams 18 Till I Die record called I Want to Be Your Underwear. And I'm glad that they didn't run with that for the theme song to Jack instead, because that would have just been completely, completely appropriate no. on the nose and great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, very accurate. Well done. Nice pick. 
he's really deliberating on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jeez, I, I don't, I, you know, I just don't know where to go with this one. Uh, fame is huge, you know, Jack. I gotta give it to Brent. I'm sorry, Bo, but uh, Blues Brothers, you can't argue with that. It's one of my absolute no. all-time favorite movies. The music from that really is fantastic. There, you know, I love that movie so much. I even went to the theaters to see Blues Brothers 2000. Yep. Mostly yep. because I knew Blues Traveler made a cameo in the movie, and so did Johnny Lang and a bunch of other cool people, but it wasn't that bad. I grew up watching the original Blues Brothers. It was a big influence on me growing up, so I got to go with that. Fame? Fuck that. I never watched <laughs> it. I could care less about fame. Dancing good-looking people? Yeah. That's nothing that I'm going to be able to relate with. That's debatable. I, I got to go with 1980 on this one. I'm sorry, Bo. We're going to go to the music round here in the music game. We'll see what you got. Will we get a shutout? Oh. Mm. Never had a shutout. Now, Brent, you have control of the board. Now you can either defer or choose to go first. What do you want to do, man? Mm. I'm going to defer. I'm going to I'm gonna be the gentleman here. I'm going to put on my dueling glove. <laughs> you don't. Wait a minute! You don't even get to, you don't get any say in this. Yeah, I'm, Brent I'm won the go round. And, I'm gonna go ahead and have my say though. <laughs> He's just gonna He's say, just "Fuck it, I don't want to go first. I will happily, happily, happily go first. All right, all right, all right. <clears throat> my first music pick: Pink Floyd, "Another Brick in the Wall," Part Two uh, of the 1979 album "The Wall." Hits number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Uh, number one single. It's the first single for them since 1968. They just didn't put out singles. Uh, and if you're familiar with the, uh, the that album, actually, it's three parts. But number two is one everyone knows. We don't need no education. Uh, the Wall is a rock opera that explores abandonment and isolation, symbolized by a wall. Uh, part one, the protagonist, Pink, begins building a metaphorical wall around himself following the death of his father. And part two, the famous song, Traumas, including his overprotective mother and abusive school teachers, become metaphorical bricks in the wall following a violent breakdown. And in part three, Pink dismisses everyone he knows as just bricks in the wall. Huge, huge, huge album and a fun, fun video and everything with that. Spooky, too. Really crazy. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. Uh, now, was this the release of the album or the single? Just to be the clear. single, the, the single. single. The album okay. came out in seventy nine. The single, uh, the single hit number one in nineteen eighty. Okay, uh, on the the U.S. Billboard Hot one hundred. It was actually that year, also nineteen eighty, the number two song overall for the year on on the Billboard charts. Alrighty, then number two, the second song I had coming out that year, Sugar Hill Gang's "Rappers Delight." peaks at billboard hot 100 at number 36 yes on january 12th of 1980 that's the highest it ever did and many consider this to be the first real hip-hop single a lot of people will tell you that that's not true because they did sample some other people without their permission but that was at a time when that didn't matter uh it featured michael wonder mike wright henry big bank hank jackson and guy master g o'brien and what a crazy fun song. A hip, hip, hip it to the, you know, all that stuff. So, Sheer Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight, number 36 on the Billboard Hot 100. I think maybe we should offer up an extra point and make this game interesting if someone can drop a verse from that song right now. <laughs> Go ahead, Bo. We're waiting. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, I used to know it, believe it or not, but I'm drawing a blank. Hold on here. 
a hip, hip, hip into the hop and a hip, hip, hop. You don't stop a rock into the bang, bang, boogie. said up, jump the boogie with the rhythm of the, rhythm of the boogie beat. Oh, you wow. got meatballs in your hand. <laughs> now, what you hear is, is not a test. test. I'm just I'm a rapping to, to the, the beat. beat. <laughs> the one episode we don't have Mike Ranger on when we could need him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the wall and rapper's delight, both huge in my opinion. I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. And, uh, you know, growing up in the 90s, I still like the hip-hop. Rapper's Delight, one of my all-time favorite rap songs. So you hit a sweet spot there on both of those for me. Bo, what do you got, man? Uh, August 12th, 1996, the third studio album from Sweden's The Cardigans is released. It's called (laughs) First Band on the Moon. Uh, featuring the only notable song of the entire career for the band, um, Love Fool. Album itself has been certified platinum. Another another one that had pretty good runs atop the Billboard charts. The lead single, of course, I mentioned Love Fool, an international hit, but fared even better in the U.S., actually, uh, following its inclusion in the film Romeo and Juliet, or Romeo plus Juliet, whichever you want to call it. <laughs> that one reached uh, number one on the top 40 mainstream chart, number nine on the modern rock tracks chart, and then reaching number two on the Hot 100 Airplay chart, and number two on the adult top 40, staying there for eight non-consecutive weeks, and being heard in dentist chairs all over the world to this day. Love me, love me. Say that you love me. <laughs> all right, man, crush, you get an extra point. <laughs> yes. And two meatballs. <laughs> I'll hold my hands out. <laughs> all right, Bo Beecraft, close us out. What is your final music selection? All right. The uh, second one came out on my mother's birthday, actually, August 27th, 96. The fourth studio album from Pearl Jam, No Code, is released. Uh, The band's latest release following their much publicized war against Ticketmaster. That was a big debacle. Uh, Also marked the band's first big foray into more experimental and different sounds, kind of compared to their previous efforts. Uh, selling over 360,000 copies in the first week of its release, launching it to the top of the Billboard 200, uh, despite receiving kind of mixed, uh, though many were positive reviews from the critics. Album stayed at number one for two weeks, three singles, Hail, Hail, Off He Goes, and Who You Are, uh, the latter of which reached number one on the modern rock chart. So August 27, 96, No Code, the fourth album from Pearl Jam. It was a good one. Was that the one that came with the uh, the Polaroids in the inside? Yes, it did. Uh-huh. Got it, it sitting like around cardboard. here somewhere. What were the Polaroids of? It's just like random shit. Just Eddie Vedder in the bathroom. And- no, like <laughs> pictures of like there were a like phone on a table. And like yeah. landscapes, all kinds of stuff. And I think they were all different. I think yeah. uh, maybe every uh, CD had different. Yeah, different Polaroids ones. And, yeah, yep. But nice. they deteriorate over time because I still have my CD collection and that cardboard is shot. <laughs> I tell you what, Eddie Vedder was awesome because not only was Pearl Jam so influential, I was big into the West Memphis Three, and I don't mm. know if you guys are familiar with yeah. them, but he was a huge Very instrumental in that whole thing of, of getting them out, you know, and really and and uh, raising money for not only their defense. But having them set up so that when they got out, they would actually have a living and a life and not just be destitute. So, yeah, really good guy. He was they talked to him on the thing. He was like, I didn't realize it was going to take 20 years, but it was worth it. But (laughs) holy shit, it was 20 years of, you know, him literally petitioning and working for them. So good guy. Good guy. Amazing. that That is the third time that they've come up on the show. We have to do a documentary on them. Another one. Yeah. No, technically, that is the fourth time. Because oh, last geez. time, it was the third time the West Memphis Three had come up. 
This is now the wow. fourth time. And Ooh. for the fourth different thing. Yeah, completely different. Completely That's, different. Uh, it's nuts. Almost all of them are in uh, different categories. I think we have two in this in music, but that's about it. I don't know. What's amazing about the picks and the only knock I would have on Brent's was that the song is actually from an album that came out in 79. Yeah. So this is the only thing yeah. I would knock on that because you have two like monumental tracks. Right. Or monumental, just everything on them both. But like Class of 99 is probably the only remade song. Or not Class of 99, but uh, Another Brick in the Wall is remade by Class of 99 for uh, The Faculty. Yeah. You remember that band? I they love that the, cover. Uh, Lane Staley and Tom Morello. And- oh, dude, it's so good. Like, I don't like too many covers, but that cover is amazing. It's a really, really good cover. I actually just watched The Faculty, too, a couple weeks ago. That was a, a, I had to see it in forever, so it was fun. It's not a bad movie. No, it's not at all. It's actually pretty cool. Pretty cool. I figured I would just bring that up. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, this is like kind of yeah slam dunk, really. Yeah. I mean, the 90s just blew it up. The Wall, Pink Floyd, you know, I'm the judge for this music duel, and uh, you can't get much better than that for me. And Rapper's Delight, come on, it's one of the all-time great hip-hop songs and one of the first mainstream hip-hop songs. So I'm sorry, Bo. Gonna have to don't give it discount. To love me, love me, man. Come on, <sighs> give it a little love. No, I, I can't give it any love. She can tell me Sounds all day, so but yeah, I can't love the cardigans. Sorry, <laughs> say that you love me. <laughs> <laughs> it probably has a death metal cover. But I think we need a. Uh, I think we need a rematch one of these nights where you're not crippled by picking only a month. Well, you I know, think I like to. Uh, I like to give myself a nice rough challenge. <laughs> I really, really went in dry with the category on this one. Yeah, you never go in dry, man. Yeah, I know. Never do. I know it. It. Just, <laughs> at least spit on it or something first, man. Come on. <laughs> this was Bo's pick, too. Yeah. Bo chose music. Wow. Yikes. You got shut out, man. By myself, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, my big question is, did I get that extra point for that Rapper's Delight line, too? Because I'm on the fence on yeah, that. Yeah, you, you technically <laughs> did. So, I mean... <laughs> Really, this is an extra shutout. So congratulations to Brent Hand, the Nolan Ryan here of Dueling Decades, pitching the first ever shutout we've had here on our show. That was like a no hitter. Got a regular Peter North on the other end this evening. <laughs> Just a Bukaki episode. I want to thank my mom and God and the Academy and uh, yeah, all those people. So that's awesome. Well, I'm 2-0, and so I'm unstoppable. You heard it here first. <laughs> we might just have a match in the near future yeah oh basically just tell me when you're open on your calendar yeah, right. <laughs> oh we have a future title shot coming in i think with this victory gonna move brent hand into the number one contender slot so yeah why don't we just make this match Ooh. official brent hand versus man crush <laughs> for the dueling decades championship i want man crush <laughs> i want man crush you can't have man crush <laughs> yeah we'll do it we'll uh we'll set it up for september awesome that sounds all right all right duelers i guess we'll end this episode right here but don't worry you can always go over to duelingdecades.com if you've missed an episode you can subscribe to our show on itunes and on Castbox. and for more great retro content join us over on facebook.com forward slash dueling decades where you can join in on the conversation so until next time fellow duelers we're gonna bid you a peace love light and a joy have a grateful week everyone 
Infirmary Media.